Hello, sports fans, and welcome to Let Me Speak, the show that shares sports' biggest headlines explained, uninterrupted, and maybe a little audacious. I'm Joe Braverman, and today's topics we'll be discussing are predicting the World Series between the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros, plus the headlines in the NFL from Week 7 and a look ahead to Week 8, and breaking down the biggest headlines after the first week of the NBA season. It's episode 45 of Let Me Speak, and it starts right now. What's up, everybody? Here on Thursday, October 28th, 2021, the 45th edition of Let Me Speak. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. 45 episodes. I can't believe it. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary since this podcast started. And it started out as something small, but I've enjoyed doing it every single week and putting it out there. I really appreciate everyone for listening. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or if you've been watching us on YouTube the entire way, it's been absolutely fun. Uh, this episode in particular, I want to send a special happy birthday message to my mother, Martha. We had her birthday this past Monday, so I'm dedicating this episode to my mom. I love you, mom. And we got to get started right away. I mean, first off, it's been absolute chaos here in Massachusetts with the nor'easter that we just had. Lots of people still don't have power, including my dad down on the Cape. It was an insane weather event, just insane wind gusts, and we've got down fences, down trees, branches. It's scattered all over the place, essentially. But of course, in the rest of the world, or in the rest of America, the sports roll on, especially with the World Series, which is how we're going to start our show, looking at the World Series. Now, we're two games already into the Fall Classic. Series is tied 1-1 to with the Braves winning Game 1, the Astros last night winning Game 2. An off day and then Game 3 in Atlanta is tomorrow night. But I just wanted to talk briefly, you know, heading into the series, I really thought Atlanta had the advantage just because I trusted their pitching a lot more than Houston's pitching. When you look at what Atlanta has done all postseason, Really, their one bad pitching game, you'd have to say, was Game 5 to the Dodgers, 11-2. They dropped that one. But the fact that they beat the Brewers, and then they beat the Dodgers back-to-back. I mean, that's an impressive run for the team with the worst record among the postseason teams who qualified. This, This was the team with the worst record, and here they are in the Fall Classic. But to the pitching, as I was saying, I mean... Props to Charlie Morton in game one. I mean, going three batters on a broken leg, essentially. I mean, that is Herculean effort to get out of that inning. Now, he's going to be out for the rest of the fall classic. I think that hurts Atlanta a little bit. But we've seen throughout postseasons of the past more recently that it's not so much starting pitching. It's about your bullpen. How is your bullpen going to be able to? to survive and we saw last night in game two Atlanta tried to do that with Max Freed he went five innings but 
all six of the seven runs that Houston scored were off of him, were credited to him. Five innings, seven hits, six earned runs, six strikeouts, and a walk on 86 pitches. So we we know that starting pitchers aren't going to go that far. I mean, on the other side, Urquidy for Houston went five innings, giving up six hits and two earned runs, seven strikeouts. So starting pitching... For for Atlanta, it's going to be more important now that Charlie Morton is out because your pul- your bullpen was worked extremely hard in game one when Charlie Morton got hurt. He only went two and a thirds innings. And then you turned it over to A.J. Minter. Then you went to Jackson, Matzek, and Will Smith. And that worked out. But it's going to be all about all about sustaining it really is the is the bullpen you don't want them overworked you know you look at game two the other night freed went five innings but then you had lee chavez smiley and Wright. so you don't want to overtax your bullpen especially you know you're gonna get a bullpen game for atlanta it's gonna be at some point it's gonna be game four or it's gonna be game five and this pitching staff has been incredible so far okay for atlanta remember in that al uh nlds they only gave up, I think it was six runs in total in four games. So that pitching was great. But it's going to be all about how do you make up for the absence of Morton? How is that going to happen? Because I think the lineup, we know what you're getting with this lineup. You have your leader, Freddie Freeman. You've got maybe the hottest hitter on the planet, Eddie Rosario. You've got Austin Riley, Soler, Peterson, Duvall. All replacing Acuna, who every time I mention Atlanta, let's talk about the fact that the Braves are here without their superstar, Ronald Acuna Jr. Keep that in mind. The fact that Atlanta is doing all of this without that superstar just shows me how impressive not only management has done organizing this team, trying to replace him, but just this team itself, how much better they can be with Acuna in the lineup because of all the weapons that you have so that's kind of why I favor Atlanta a little bit don't get me wrong about Houston I think Houston this is going to be a real competitive series I mean what they did against Boston they found their stride really in game four in Fenway Park that I was lucky enough to be able to go to lucky or unlucky if you count the result um what Jose Altuve has done to break out of his skid what Michael Brantley Bregman Alvarez Guriel, Correa, all those guys, what they've been able to do to get to this point. I mean, their starting pitching shut the Red Sox down, basically from game four beyond. And you hope, if you're an Astros fan, that it can carry over into the World Series. I don't I don't know if I can see that, because I like what their bullpen did. I like, essentially, their bullpen in that ALCS shut down Boston. They shut them down throughout the entire game. But it was the starting pitchers that really got in a funk throughout that entire series. You know, it wasn't until Framber Valdez had an eight-inning outing in Game 5 that really turned the corner for Houston and gave them the advantage in this. Other than that, the bullpen was just shutting that team down. So Javier, Maton, Presley, Graveman, they all did their part. They did their part, and they shut down that Red Sox lineup for how hot it was. But it was the starting pitchers that really took the brunt of all the damage that was caused. So I think that's 
the biggest question for Houston is how far are their starters going to be able to go. We saw in last night's game, game two, Urquidy was able to go five innings. That's kind of what you're hoping for if you're Houston. Valdez in game one only went two innings, and he gave up five runs, okay? So that's where my sort of hesitancy towards Houston is. I mean, three World Series in five years, ultra impressive, regardless of cheating or not. You know, I'll take away 2017, but 2018, ALCS, 2019, World Series, 2020, ALCS, and now 21, World Series. So even four straight where you're not cheating. Super impressive, super impressive. But this starting rotation, I think, if they're able to limit the offense, you know, similar to the Red Sox series, can the starters limit the offense early on? That's the question because game one, you're already behind the eight ball when Jorge Soler hits that home run in the first inning, the leadoff home run. You're already behind the eight ball. It's all about getting the first run for Houston. Houston's got to be able to score first and play from ahead rather than play from behind. That's where Houston will have the advantage. I mean, you look at it. First inning, boom, they get one run. After that, Atlanta comes back, you tie the game. That's nice, but you're still in the lead. And then sure enough, bottom of the second, boom, four runs. Just like that, you have the advantage. So that's really what I see for Houston is getting the lead first. And the starting pitching holding down the lineup of the Atlanta Braves. The starting pitching holding them down. If you ask me, I think this is going to go six games, six or seven games. I think it's going to go a lot of back and forth. We're going to see a lot of, um, I think we're going to see a lot of offense. Um, I think Atlanta, though, does have the advantage. And that's why I picked them. You know, I was leaning towards them even before the World Series even began. I picked the Braves uh, before the series started. I thought they would go the long way. So I think game two, yeah, that's just a bump in a road. But the fact that you can take one in Houston, you get the advantage of going home for three straight, that is huge for Atlanta. So I think the Braves are going to be the 2021 World Champions of Baseball. They win their World Series. I mean, this is their first one since 1999. I don't think... They let any of those chances go away. So my pick, the Atlanta Braves win the World Series over the Houston Astros in seven games. This is a seven-game series. But regardless of the result, the World Series is always exciting. And I can't wait to find out what happens during the Fall Classic. Up next, we move to the NFL, talking about Week 7, and we'll have our Week 8 Pick'em segment coming up in just a moment. But talking about Week 7, this felt like the week of the blowout. I mean, with so many games not even close, one of them I wanted to get into because I think it's the talk of the NFL, and that's the demise of the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Titans absolutely destroying Kansas City 27-3. to I mean, this is making people think they aren't contenders anymore. But let me let me put it to you like this. They're three and four right now. Their defense stinks, okay? They gave up 369 yards of offense. 
they in the league are the fifth worst in yards allowed per game. And they are tied for the worst turnover differential in the league at minus 10. You know who else has a minus 10? The Jacksonville Jaguars. And they only have one win. If you're in that statistical category, you're not a good team. Okay? They don't have a running game. They don't have Clyde Edwards-Elaire because he got hurt. So they don't have a running game. They don't have anyone who can back up. Edwards Elaire and take up, you know, the energy that he had. But of course, everyone's talking about Patrick Mahomes because he is at the center point. This is the guy who was the heir apparent to Tom Brady, thinking if he continues on this career trajectory, he could be the greatest of all time. Maybe. But even Patrick Mahomes can't save this team, okay? This was an interesting stat that I found out in preparing. His career high in interceptions was his first stint as a full-time starter when he took over for Alex Smith in 2018. You know how many he had? 12. And that's in about 16 games. You know how many he has through seven games? Nine. That means he's three-quarters of the way to his career high in interceptions in seven games. Seven games. So Patrick Mahomes has to clean it up. You know, he can't. Keep throwing the Hail Mary balls. He can't get it to Tyreek Hill every time. He can't get it to Travis Kelsey every time. He can't make this magic. He's got to protect the football. Protect the football and stop creating turnovers. Stop throwing interceptions. That's essentially all you have to say. Because we have seen in years past, you know, look at the game against the Rams on that Monday Night Football. It was like a 51-50 to or something like that. Because your defense stinks. Your defense can't stop anyone on offense. And now, because Patrick Mahomes is not doing the magical things that he's done in the past, they stink. They're three and four. Right now, they stink. And honestly, I don't see a path that gets them into the playoff. Because their schedule is not going to get any easier. You know, this week they got Monday Night Football against the Giants. That's an easy game. But afterwards... The rest of the games on their schedule include the Packers, the Cowboys, the Chargers, again, the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Raiders twice, okay? This is a much better AFC West than in years past, okay? The Chargers are contenders. The Raiders are contenders. The Chiefs have been contenders. And even the Broncos, I know they had uh, the flukiest 3-0 start, but they can still be a tricky task. They can still be tricky if you play them. So honestly, I'm not sure if I see a run to the playoffs. Am I giving up hope just yet? No, I'm not going to do that at all. Because this is Kansas City. They've been to the Super Bowl two times in a row. They've been to the AFC Championship three times in a row. You don't give up. It's similar to Tom Brady. You don't lose hope until you actually see it on the field. But I can't go this whole segment without talking about what Tennessee did. I mean, Here's what my hot take for the week. Derrick Henry should be an MVP, okay? He should be an MVP before his career is over, all right? Even this year, he should be. He leads the league in rushing yards. He's got 869. You know who's in second? Jonathan Taylor, and he has 579. That's nearly 300 yards more rushing yards from the leader Derrick Henry to second place. And he also leads the league in touchdowns. He's got 10. You know who's in second? James Conner with six. 
This dude is the most unstoppable force in the National Football League. And you cannot game plan for him. You just cannot. He is unstoppable, and he is going to lead the Titans to the promised land if they can get that far. So I am high on the Titans. I am down on the Chiefs. But some team you might need to be high on are the Bengals. How about Cincinnati? Turning all eyes on them after a 41-17 win over the Ravens. Now, did I expect Cincinnati to play close? Yes. Did I think they had a chance possibly of winning? Really slim. Did I think they would blow out maybe the hottest offense in the NFL? Hell no. Not expecting it at all. 520 yards of offense. Joe Burrow threw three picks and over 400 yards. Jamar Chase, including his 82-yard touchdown reception, 201 yards on eight caught balls. This Cincinnati team is turning all eyes on them. Now, in this game in particular, it was the big plays. Every touchdown for Cincy was over 20 yards, okay, including the 82-yard reception TD. But the Bengals... They have opened up a lot of eyes, I will say, myself included. I think the Bengals can at least be a wild card contender because I was so down on them thinking, oh, you got Burrow's teammate at LSU instead of an actual offensive lineman. That's a mistake. But what we're seeing right now is that when Joe Burrow is on his feet, he can be an elite quarterback. You know, is he in the scale of the top 10? Not yet. Not yet, but he could get there within the next year. I think next year is really when they're going to start making some noise with just a few minor upgrades because I like what they have in the in the backfield with Joe Mixon. I think Jamar Chase is getting himself into an elite wide receiver if he continues this kind of play. And since he, you know, their offense looks great. That's just all I need to say about that is the offense looks great. Defense needs a little bit of work, but the fact that they had a drubbing like this of the Ravens really has to make me pay attention more to them because I don't think they're a fluke anymore. I think this is a team that can contend for the wild card. And the Ravens, I mean, I'm not too worried about them. I mean, they have one of these games now and again. They're still, they've still got Lamar Jackson at quarterback. I still have full confidence in them. It's just one game, okay? One game if you're looking at it for Baltimore. They're not going to go on a downward spiral because of this. But the last game I want to talk about before we get into our pick'em segment, I want to talk about that Sunday night game, the Colts and the Niners, okay? Indianapolis, I think, is really riding the ship for now. Now, in that division, I think everyone still is chasing the Tennessee Titans. I, everyone's chasing Tennessee, and then it's, you know, I think the Colts... Carson Wentz is back to his Philly days when he was a near MVP. You know, we're, we're learning again when he's healthy. He can be a good quarterback. I think, though, just the start is is too late for them. You know, they started 1-4. and four. They've won back-to-back games. They're now 3-4. and four. They're still going to need a series of wins to really be taken seriously. I know it's tight with, you know, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, the Raiders, Chargers, all of them. But I just don't think the Colts are there just yet. I think, you know, you also have to look at the other side for the 49ers. They have a ton of questions, okay? They've lost four straight. And they're still looking with Jimmy G as their quarterback. Now, it's hard to say 
if Garoppolo really is the guy because Trey Lance is just not ready. He's not ready just yet. I It's a struggling San Francisco team, so Indy taking advantage of it. Carson Wentz looks like those ankles are healthy again. Not ankle, ankles. Both of them, if you remember. I think the Colts can make some noise. They could play spoiler, you know. Maybe not a playoff contender, but if someone's looking for a playoff spot, they can be the ones to really knock them off the path and stuff like that. So that's that's what I see with Indianapolis, the way that they're going. But now it is time for our Pick'em segment. Now, before I toss it over to our pre-recorded segment that we had with our special guest on Wednesday, I should make a stat correction on myself. I had said that Ben May, who was on last week, is our new leader. I did some miscalculations. He's second place. He went 10-3. and three. Johnny Mansuria still leads at 13-3. and three. So just a quick uh, disclaimer heading into it. So now I toss to you our weekly segment with our special guest known as NFL's Pick'em. So once again, it's time for our NFL Pick'em segment, and we got another special guest joining us, the co-host of the Specifically Devoid podcast with Micah Pellegrini. Derek Harnish joins the show. Derek, thanks for taking the time and joining the show. Of course. You know, I am a huge sports fan. I have a lot of sports knowledge in my noggin, so I'm really excited to use those to pick out NFL winners this week. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we joke about that because as we have talked about when I made the appearance on your podcast, not the biggest sports fan, but hey, you're here to make some picks and I appreciate you at least taking the time and the effort. We're going for it, you know? Yeah, why not? I mean, we do have a new leader on the leaderboard. Our good friend Ben May went 11 and 2 last week in his picks. Oh my God. So That's you got really good. Yeah, you got some standards to fill up. So you ready expect, to make some picks? I expect to absolutely disappoint in those standards. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into the picks, let's talk about specifically Devoid, yourself and Micah Pellegrini. Tell uh, the folks or any of the listeners who don't know about your podcast, what is the show about? Yeah, so on specifically Devoid is sort of a group of podcasts that we do. We have a regular Specifically Devoid podcast, which is at the moment uh, uh, filled with interviews that I am doing with people as Micah is away in parts unknown. Um, <laughs> we also have the Devoid Wrestling podcast where we sit down and review old wrestling shows. And we have uh, currently we just started a fantasy booking sort of league uh, between me, Micah and our good friend James, uh, who has been a part of the podcast for a while in and out. Uh, we have game shows that happen regularly too. Devoid Entertainment. Uh, we just finished up a big tournament and championship match for that with Micah retaining the championship. And um, aside from the podcast, we just opened up a merch store. Uh, if you go to prowrestlingtees.com and go to the Devoid store, you could get shirts like, I don't know if this is going to be on video, but the one I'm wearing right now. Well, I do see uh, that one as well as a Devoid Wrestling podcast shirt and one expressing how toxic Micah is. So uh, <laughs> come check out all of our stuff. I know you had, you had recently uh, mentioned when I was on that Micah's on Parts Unknown. What's what's it been like doing the show without him? Um, it's been great, honestly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I mean, we honestly, I've gotten to do a lot of cool new stuff with Micah being in parts unknown recently. Uh, I mean, the talk with series uh, 
has been sort of really fun for me to do this different different sort of ideas we've had for the wrestling podcast. It, and it's hard trying to do that with school because I'm in school right now. But it's been cool to, for that sort of change of pace. It was nice to sort of freshen things up a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely, I've been listening to it. It's a lot of fun and you're definitely a great podcast host to listen to. So let's get into some NFL picks. Are you ready to make some picks? Oh, I am absolutely ready to make some picks. All right. And we start with the Thursday night game, which is a very exciting one. Green Bay and Arizona, the Cardinals, the last undefeated team in the NFL. Green Bay has been rolling five straight since their opening week one loss to New Orleans. Derek, let's start off with the Thursday night game. Who you got? Well, I don't know if you know this, Joe, but I looked this up recently and the Cardinals actually made the wild card game this year for the National League. Uh, so I think they're really going to keep the ball rolling with that momentum. And I think the Cardinals are going to outdo the Packers because the Packers didn't even make the playoffs in any leagues in the MLB. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the Cardinals here. <laughs> Uh, that, that's a good way of putting it. Not only that, they won 19 out of 20 games to end the season, although they did lose on a walk-off. But I agree with you there. I'll take these Cardinals, any Cardinals in this game. It's going to be close, though. I'll tell you this. Two really good teams going after it, just getting into the football side of things. Arizona is a good team. They have a great offense, a ton of weapons. And Green Bay, I know they got Aaron Rodgers, who – Try to throw his hat in for the Jeopardy gig, but he's really the Packers quarterback. He's not going to be the Jeopardy host. It's going to be close, though. I'll pick the Cardinals. I'll be right there with you. And then we move into the Sunday night slate of games. Carolina at Atlanta. The Panthers 3-4. and four, Falcons 3-3 three and three, coming off the bye. What do you see between the Panthers and the Falcons? I think, uh, I think the Falcons are going to do really, really well in this game up until the fourth quarter. And then I think the Panthers are going to come from behind and absolutely demolish them. And I think the Panthers are going to beat the Falcons. Obviously making reference to the 28 to three Super Bowl. I like, I like getting that knowledge in there. Uh, Carolina, I think again, still Christian McCaffrey not being in there is really devastating for them. They had to bench Sam Darnold, their starting quarterback but they still managed to come out with that win against the Giants because, I mean, everyone beats the Giants. Uh, it's it's going to be close. I, I honestly think this is going to be an upset, and I think the Falcons are going to win this one. I know it, it's not the 28-3 Falcons, but they're still it's still Matt Ryan at the helm. I think they'll be a really good team, uh, at least for this week, you know, because I don't think they've got a shot in hell at the playoffs. So then we go to Miami and Buffalo Dolphins one and six. They won the opening week against the Patriots and have lost six straight since then. And meanwhile, Buffalo at four and two coming off the bye. What do you see between the Dolphins and the Bills? Um, I think the Dolphins have a huge advantage in this matchup because I don't know if uh, you know anybody named Bill who could breathe underwater. I don't. So I think the Dolphins, just by nature of where they're placed, uh, are going to have a huge advantage over the Bills. Uh, and I don't think it'll even be close. I think the Dolphins will beat the Bills. Wow. <laughs> well, in the sports world, that'd be a huge upset. But I totally get your logic. I understand it completely. This is going to be a runaway game for Buffalo, I think. This is going to be an easy win. I mean, the Dolphins stink. They absolutely stink. Let's just keep that in mind. But hey, I love the upsets. There's a few upsets 
now and then every single week. This could be one of them. Who knows if the bye week, maybe they're tired or lazy or whatever. They didn't practice for a really long time, so it could come to bite them, but it's not. It's going to be Buffalo. Buffalo is going to win this one easily, easily. I will be surprised if it's even a competitive game between those two. And now we move to the San Francisco 49ers, Chicago Bears, two and four versus three and four. San Francisco, Derek, has lost four straight games. Four straight. They're two and four. They're sticking with old Patriots quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. They go into Chicago. They face the Bears. What do you think between 49ers and Bears? Well, I just learned that the Patriots had other quarterbacks. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not just Tom Brady. I think... uh, I think the Bears are going to pull this one out for one reason and one reason only. Um, who names a football team after a number? This has bugged me for a really long time. <laughs> it's such a dumb name. It makes no sense. And 76ers in the NBA, you're not off the hook either, okay? It's <laughs> dumb to name your team after a number. And I think you should lose every match as long as your team is named after a number. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you got to do the logic with like the Philadelphia 76ers. They're the home of America, 1776. That's okay, where maybe, you get. But what's the 49ers about? They're the gold That's rush. The they San Francisco's oh, home of the gold on. rush. They could name themselves like the gold something. I'd get it. Boy. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, the gold rush. That's the Golden State Warriors. We already, that's another, that's a debate. That's a debate for another time. That's a debate for another time. Contrary to their name, I think the 49ers are going to go into Chicago. They're going to win this game. I think the Bears have just too many questions with Justin Fields and all that. He's the rookie quarterback for Chicago and they're just trying to stay afloat. But I feel like this is one of those letdown games that Chicago is going to have this week. So then we go to a really good AFC North matchup, Pittsburgh and Cleveland Steelers coming off a bye week at three and three Cleveland. A lot of questions about their offense. They don't have their two running backs. Who knows if they don't have Baker Mayfield. What do you think between Steelers and Browns? Um, So I'm going to go for what they call a bold prediction uh, in the sports world. Uh, The first of my bold predictions this episode. Um, I think for the first time in NFL history, they won't be able to stop this game without it being tied. I think it will be tied forever. And this will be the first ever official draw in the NFL history. Well, I, I I hate to contradict you, but there have been ties in the regular season. There have been ties in the past, but are you saying, are you saying it's one? (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying like it's a zero zero tie or are points going to be on the board? Oh, points will be on the board. They will both do extremely well, but they'll be tied the entire game. <laughs> so, <laughs> so your official prediction is a tie. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Normally I just circle one team, but I guess I'll just circle both of them right there. This I game does wrong, have to, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why not? It's a big, bold prediction. I don't think anyone's going to make a prediction that bold um, to pick a winner. I think Cleveland just has too many questions right now. But they can get past this team. I think Pittsburgh offensively can't get past the defense that Cleveland has. And no matter who's at quarterback, Case Keenum looked great on that Thursday night game. The Browns do get 10 days. They played last Thursday, then they go to Sunday. So they've got a long rest. And plus, they own the Steelers the last two games they played in week 17. And then when they beat them in the playoffs. So I think Cleveland has Pittsburgh's number in this era. And I think I'll take the Browns to beat the Steelers. Moving on, though, we have probably a dismal game. The 2-5 and five Eagles, the 0-7 Detroit Lions. Philly 
offensively, some people are calling them underrated. Although people are saying Detroit stinks right now. They're 0-7, the only winless team in the NFL. Derek, do the Lions get their first win of the season this week at home against Philadelphia? Well, so a fun thing about looking into these matchups uh, before doing this picks this week is that I found out that the Detroit Lions were a football team for the first time. <laughs> um, so I don't think that that means anything good for them. And I've known the Eagles have existed for a while. So just based on that alone, I'm going to go for the Eagles in this game. Plus, didn't you just say the Lions were 0-7? That's right. The only winless team in the league right now and the only team in NFL history to go 0-16 Back in 2008. Don't forget that. That's a good reason why you said that the Lions don't exist because I don't think they've won a playoff game in their franchise history. They have the only winless season in NFL history. So it's been an absolute mess, not just this year, but in years past for that franchise. I think Detroit, again, this is another week that they struggle, but they do keep it close. I think it's going to come down to the end like they have, but I agree with you that Philadelphia should take this game and I think will take this game but then the we lions go to a really in yeah that the lions would win the super bowl if they put tom brady on their team oh i'm mm, that, that's a good <laughs> question that's a good question but i don't think even tom brady can save the detroit lions <laughs> right now i don't think so i mean maybe maybe they make the playoffs or whatever but i i don't see it with tom brady <laughs> not that we're ever going to get the chance to make maybe that's his maybe that's his next destination after tampa bay you know, he he's like keep proving himself, even though he's like a 20 year veteran. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he's 45 and he'll win in Detroit. Not many people have won in Detroit in a very long time. But now we move to Tennessee and Indianapolis AFC South matchup. Tennessee coming off a huge and I mean huge win against the Kansas City Chiefs, 27 to three. And meanwhile, the Colts off of a big Sunday night win against the aforementioned 49ers. Derek, how do you see Tennessee and Indianapolis? Well, so there's a big difference between Tennessee and Indianapolis, uh, being that Indianapolis is, of course, a city, uh, and Tennessee is a state, which is much larger and has a lot more uh, judicial power over cities. So I think um, the Colts are going to do an upset and beat the, the big state and uh, defeat the Titans this week. That's a good, I think that's a reasonable upset, I would say. I think a lot of people could pick that upset. You know, Tennessee riding high after uh, Kansas City. I mean, if you can beat that Chiefs team and Patrick Mahomes, no matter how much they struggle, that's a big win. That's a big win right there. I just think it's too much momentum for Tennessee. I think Indy is going to have a really hard time stopping Derrick Henry in that run game. Uh, Tannehill looked great against Kansas City. He was the better quarterback over Patrick Mahomes. Not many people can say that. And uh, Indianapolis, I know they're coming off a big win. Carson Wentz is starting to look like himself, but just too much Titans, too much of the Titans for this one. Even on the road, I'll pick the Titans in that one. And then we go to the Cincinnati Bengals, five and two, probably the surprising result from last week, five and two, uh, drubbing over the Ravens. And then it just gets easier as they take on the Jets in the Meadowlands at one and five. Derek, between the Bengals and the Jets, what do you see? So um, if my lack of football knowledge uh, wouldn't have told you this already, I'm actually playing a fantasy football league this year. Um, and uh, I drafted the entire uh, Bengals team. So I think <laughs> it would be unfair if I picked anyone else. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals here. I know you. I mean, last week it must have benefited you greatly with Jamar Chase getting 200 yards and uh, Joe Burrow getting 400. That must have benefited you greatly last week. 
I am one in six right now. (laughs) (laughs) Was that one win last week or no? No, it was like two weeks ago. Ah, all right. Well, I mean, this Bengals team looks good. So, I mean, you drafted a good team. It's better than picking the whole Jets instead of the whole Bengals. I mean, props to you on that one. I think you've got another great team going on this week. I don't think Jamar Chase is going to get 200 yards again, and he's not going to get a touchdown, but this Cincy offense looks great. I think, you know, they're still not in the contender realm just yet. You know, maybe the wild card if they continue this sort of success. But I like this Cincy team. I like the team you drafted, despite the fact they're one in six. That The one in six team that I can get behind is your fantasy team and not this Jets team, which is why <laughs> I will pick the Bengals on the road to get this one. So then we move on to really a lopsided game. If you ask me, Rams and Texans, L.A. six and one. Houston, one and six, complete opposite records. The games in Houston, are you smelling an upset, Derek? What do you see with this one? I'm smelling what you would call an upset, I think. Um, but for me, it's very clear. Uh, if there is a if there is a group of Rams charging at me and I had to throw anyone in front of me to stop it, I am grabbing the first person from Texas that I see and throwing <laughs> them right in front of the Rams. And they are enough defense for me to to stay alive so i think because of their defense the texans are going to beat the rams <laughs> the most off filtering defense keep in mind i mean what a bold prediction once again i mean i will say no one has picked more bold predictions or upsets than you so you you've got that claim no matter who else comes on this show i think yeah go ahead i'm gonna get the first perfect week who knows it could happen it could happen that's why the nfl is great you get upsets like that um i think you know you talked about defense i think it's la's defense that's going to be much better i do agree that maybe anyone from houston texas would be a great defense against a, a pack of rams or whatever but if we're talking on the football field no one defensively can stop matt stafford or anyone on that rams offense This L.A. team is rolling. Plus, they see Arizona having a big matchup against Green Bay. They think that's an opportunity to get to the top of the NFC West. So I think they take advantage of that, and they should easily win this game against Houston, Texas, against the Texans. I mean, let me ask you this. If it was someone from Dallas, would you put them up against the Rams? Um. I think if they were a cowboy from Dallas, they might stand a chance, but I don't know if a regular person from Dallas would stand. (laughs) So any Houston Texan can play defense, but not Dallas, not a Dallas Texan, a Dallas cowboy, maybe, but not a Houston Texan. Texan. (laughs) Oh, well, that's a debate again for another time, (laughs) but now we go to the local team, the new England Patriots. They're on the road in LA taking on the chargers chargers coming off a bye week at four and two. Patriots with a slaughtering of the Jets, but then again, everyone beats the Jets just like anyone beats the Giants. Derek, let's talk about the local team around here. We're both in the state of Massachusetts. Are we thinking Patriots over Chargers? I think it's clear uh, because the Patriots are my home team uh, that I go for the Chargers here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I just think that's what I have to do. I think that's what the cards are calling for me. Honestly, they, they are calling for me, too, because, I mean, they put up 50 points against the Jets. But again, it's against the Jets. I think this is going to be competitive. I think it's going to be a real competitive game between these two. A lot of points up there. I think Mac Jones is starting to get a lot more comfortable. Really started airing out the ball to guys like Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry 
in that game last week. But I just think the bye week is really the big difference between the Chargers having that bye week, getting to prepare at home. I know last week it was a nightmare, or I should say last season against the Patriots. It was a nightmare. I mean, giving up a special teams touchdown. I think Cam Newton put up like 40 points or something like that. If Cam Newton's putting 40 points on your defense, that's a question mark right there. This offense is better, but this Chargers team is so much better. That's why I think I got to, we're going to sink in the boat together and pick the Chargers on this one, despite how hard it hits us right there in the heart. <laughs> we'll go with the, we'll go with the Chargers on that one. So next we'll move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Jacksonville, we know has been terrible. They're one in five, but the bigger story has been Seattle without Russell Wilson. They're now two and five. They've dropped their last two games with Geno Smith as their quarterback. Do I hear three in a row? Do the Seahawks lose again? And the Jaguars pick up their second win of the year. I have to support the Jaguars here for a key reason. Uh, tonight, as a recording, uh, I am attending All Elite Wrestling in Boston. And for those of you who don't know, the owner of All Elite Wrestling, Tony Khan, is the son of the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So <laughs> I'm going to go for the Jaguars for that reason. That's a good connection. That's a good connection to make. I mean, investing-wise and marketing-wise, the Jaguars are great. They're absolutely great. I mean, connecting a up-and-start uh, wrestling company that's challenging the big head honcho and also managing a football team, props to them. But it's just too much. I think Geno Smith has been a capable quarterback. They've been able to keep games close, but they just got to put points on the board. That's why I think Seattle at home is going to win this one. I think the 12th man is really going to come alive in this one. But I do hope you have fun with the con management at All Elite Wrestling. It's definitely, you know, the energy there will probably be more electric than a whole Jaguar season. So just take all of that and put it into all elite wrestling when you, when you come out here to Boston. And then we move on to Washington and Denver two and five for the Washington football team. The Denver Broncos have lost four straight after starting three and O what is going to go on with that game right there. Two teams below 500 is Denver going to get back on track or does Washington take this one? So the Washington football team and the Ford Broncos, I think, uh, I think uh, it's really a matter of mascot here. And something about the difference between your horse being a mascot and being your own mascot. <laughs> uh, I really like that like self-empowering sort of idea of like, we're the mascot. It's just us. Uh, so I'm going to go for the Washington football team. Oh, okay. I would have, I would have. Yeah, I, I thought you would have said, like, oh, the horse will power through the whole team or something like that. No, nah, it's self-empowerment. They believe in themselves <laughs> so much that they are the mascot. That's right. That's exactly right. I think this Denver team is just really falling apart right now ever since 3-0. Keep in mind, Derek, that 3-0 team was to teams with records who at the time were combined 0-12, something like that. So this is kind of a fluky Denver team. I don't think they get this done. I think Washington, again, they're due for a good game. I think this is going to be it. And I think, like you said, that whole football team coming together, they're going to power through Denver. They're going to go into mile high. They're going to slay the horse or whatever. Not, not literally, but figuratively, they're going to slay the horse. They're going to beat Denver. But the news about Washington, though, is that they will get a mascot by 2022. By next year, they will not be their self-empowered mascot. They won't be the Washington football team. 
or maybe they are actually now that I think about it. It is one of their options. Football team is an option for their mascot, but we'll see when 2022 rolls around. So then we move on to Tampa Bay and New Orleans, another NFC South matchup. Tom Brady has looked incredible last week, throwing his 600th touchdown pass. Only guy to even come close to that. I mean, what a showing it was against Chicago last week. Now here come the Saints. Only have six days to prepare for this Bucks offense. What do you see, Derek, between the Buccaneers and the Saints? Uh, so this is actually going to be a little bit insightful here. So uh, I, when I drafted my fantasy football team, I drafted uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I did something funny. I drafted the Cincinnati Bengals and then also Tom Brady, um, which has been amazing for my fantasy team this year. Let me tell you, I don't know anything about football except Tom Brady has been doing awesome this year. <laughs> um, and I'm sure that is going to bleed over to this game with the Saints. I don't know much about the Saints, but I'm sure they can't stop Tom Brady at this point. So I'm going to say the Buccaneers are going to win this game. Yeah, this was the Saints team that Tom Brady beat to get one step closer to the Super Bowl last year in the divisional round. This is a totally new Saints team from last year, though. It's not Drew Brees. It's Jameis Winston. But like you said, just Tom Brady. You said he's been doing awesome this year. He's done awesome for however long he's taken the realms at quarterback, starting with New England and then going into Tampa Bay. This Bucks team is just too hard to stop on both sides of the ball. That's why it's so easy to pick the Buccaneers in this one versus the inconsistent New Orleans Saints. But then we go to the Sunday night game. Cowboys, the aforementioned, and Vikings. Dallas at 5-1, and one, coming off a bye week. Are Many are saying could be Super Bowl contenders if they continue this run into November and into January. Or uh, December, excuse me. And then the Vikings still trying to hang around in that playoff picture. Second in the NFC North. What do you see in the Sunday night game between the Cowboys and the Vikings? Uh, so I've played a lot of Cowboys versus Vikings uh, in the form of Cassidy and Torbjorn 1v1s and Overwatch. Um, and more often than not, uh, Cassidy has gone over in those fights. So because of that, I will choose the Dallas Cowboys for this match. <laughs> of course, when in doubt, go to Overwatch. I mean, <laughs> Dallas, I mean... You said, you said, you know, in Overwatch, it's powerful. This offense is powerful for this Dallas team. Dak Prescott looks great. I think the bye week really helps them out. Minnesota, all they got to do is just limit their points. You limit their points, you beat them. And that's why I'm going to agree with you. I think the Cowboys are going to win this one. And they're going to get on the road. They're going to continue their ascent. But it's more so about what happens in November and December leading up to the playoffs and if they can continue it. But then the last game on the slate is the Monday night game between the New York Giants and the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of the headlines are about Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team not looking like the team of old. This is a team that's gone to three straight AFC championships, back-to-back Super Bowls, but here they are at three and four. Can the Chiefs right the ship at home when the Giants come to town? Uh, well, uh, to quote uh, the great Greg Goldman, uh, the New York Giants are the greatest football team on the bleep bleep planet. Uh, <laughs> but also, uh, he hates the Giants because they always lose. Uh, and I think that it's going to continue, uh, even with what you have called a disappointing season from Patrick Mahomes. I think that they will still beat the Giants because it will be pretty easy to beat the Giants. Yeah, I mean, you look at any team in New York, you can beat them without a question. Without a question, the Jets or the Giants. That's like if you're doing like a pick 'em 
sort of thing where you got to pick one team, pick whoever's playing the Jets or the Giants. That's why Kansas City is a, a nice, easy lock right here. I don't think they're going to play great. I think, you know, like I said in the segment before, this Chiefs team is in trouble. I don't think they're contenders the way they were in the past, but they have enough to beat this Giants team. And if they don't, if they lose this game, I'm going to say their season's over and the Super Bowl is without a question. But I think they write the ship and they'll win on Monday night because primetime is where Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs team will shine. So those are our picks for the NFL Week 8. Derek, very unconventional way of choosing games, but I love it nonetheless. That's why I brought you on to make some picks. Before we go, do you want to plug specifically Devoid, any other projects you got going on? Uh, I would love to. First, thank you for having me on again. I know I don't know a lot about football, but hopefully I could have made someone laugh today with my unconventional picks. Um, <laughs> go check out the Specifically Devoid YouTube channel. Uh, we just dropped today an interview with my friend Emily about her being a voice teacher. Uh, so keep on the lookout for more stuff coming from us soon. You can find us on Twitter at uh, Twitter at Devoid Podcast and Instagram at Specifically Devoid. All right, definitely great content to watch for, and I'd take that personally. Derek Carnish, again, thank you for joining our NFL Pick'em segment, and I wish you nothing but the best for your slate of NFL picks. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Special thanks once again to Derek Harnish for joining the show. You know, that was definitely a lot of fun. A lot of fun to record. As now we move to the NBA, we had a little season preview when we had Chandler Hutchison and Pat Mahoney join the show a couple of weeks ago. But so far, it's about a week into the new NBA season and there are a lot, there's a lot to digest. And we'll just talk about some of the headlines that we've seen so far in these first couple of games and there's going to be some pretty interesting takes from me which i thought was the perfect subject for our weekly edition of hot takes so the first team you have to start with this is the lakers i mean the la lakers are always going to make the headlines regardless and so far right now they're two and three and it got worse last night when they blew a 26-point lead in the first half and let the Oklahoma City Thunder back into the game and win that game, which was highlighted by a Russell Westbrook ejection later on. But you have to look at this team. For, I mean, first off, LeBron James is hurt again. He hasn't played in the past couple of games. And... This is an older team, you have to remember. You have to look at all the additions they made. You know, when you look at it, you know, really LeBron, AD, maybe Avery Bradley, Taylor Horton Tucker, they're only a few guys who are from teams of the past. Everyone else is all new, all new. You know, Avery Bradley or uh, Dwight Howard, Russell Westbrook, of course, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, all those guys. They're all new. So they're still trying to gel with each other right now. And not only that, but the play style as well between Westbrook and James. They're both kind of the same where they both have to have their ball in their hands to really be playmakers and to be effective. The fact that those two are on the same court is probably going to take a lot of time to really get together. So 
Am I pressing the panic button on the Lakers? Of course not. Not yet. It's far too early to say this is not going to work, okay? Because LeBron is hurt, a whole new team. I understand there are a couple of games that they should have won, but it's still a long season. You don't you don't win the NBA title in the first couple of games. You do lose it, but it's only two and three, okay? Anthony Davis is still Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook is still Russell Westbrook. Carmelo Anthony, he's probably better than the Carmelo Anthony of years past, you know, going back to his prime days and stuff like that because he was nothing like this in Portland or in Houston, anything like that. So it is too early to talk about the Lakers really being underwhelming in terms of their uh, season projections. But another team, another team I wanted to talk about, the Chicago Bulls. How about the Bulls surprising everyone by going 4-0 and to start the year? Now, I was high on Chicago. I thought the Bulls were going to have a good year, maybe be a middle-of-the-pack kind of team who gets the 7th or the 6th, you know, somewhere around that area in the Eastern Conference. But 4-0 to start the year? I understand these are rollover games, that some might say, but to see Chicago doing having this start with all of the pieces that they brought in, with Lonzo Ball at your point guard, with DeMar DeRozan, with Alex Caruso coming off the bench, I think it's a great sign for Chicago. I, I know it's early, but the fact that Zach Levine is, again, just getting better and better. He's got weapons and pieces around him. I will say, outside of the starting five plus Alex Caruso, I think might be the only question that I have with Chicago. And also, you got to remember, Levine does have a sprained thumb that he says he's going to play through. It is on his offhand, so... Hopefully it doesn't debilitate him too much, but I love what Chicago is doing. I absolutely love it, and I think they're gonna be they're gonna be a team to be reckoned with all season long. Just keep your eyes out for Chicago. This four and zero start might not be such a fluke. I mean, they do have the Knicks tonight, which I think is probably gonna be their biggest test in this very early season. But if they can win that game, I think they're going to open a lot of eyes and say, hmm, this Bulls team is for real. They are for real. But speaking of the Knicks, I want to talk about New York because I think they got better as well with all of the offensive weapons that Julius Randle finally has around him. You've got Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier you got in the offseason. You bring back Derrick Rose. You improve R.J. Barrett. <laughs> This is a team so far is third in points per game. And not only that, but they've got a healthy Mitchell Robinson. That is a center who can be effective. Maybe not a rim protector or, you know, a block, a total block shots, rebounds and stuff like that. But he can be effective just by being in the lineup. That's what I see with the Knicks. You know, Robinson being healthy and Julius Randle having some pieces around him because you got to keep in mind was it a down year for Kemba Walker last year with his with the Boston Celtics yes but he still put up 19 points a game he's in his hometown of New York I mean Julius Randle he's definitely going to be offensive option number one but Kemba's probably going to be number two Fournier might be number three Derrick Rose off the bench I love 
Derrick Rose coming off the bench. Keep that in mind. I would have loved either Kemba or Derrick Rose because when you need it in the later game, you need offense. You can put them both on the floor. Derrick Rose gives you much more defense. If you keep Barrett and Fournier on the floor, I love the offense that Randall has around him. And I think he's finally got some help. And this Knicks team can be for real. I don't think, I think they make the playoffs again. That's what I think with this Knicks team. I don't think they're a pushover. I don't think last year was a little fluke. I think Tom Thibodeau, with what he's done, getting the pieces around Julius Randle, has put the Knicks back into relevancy. Not contention, relevancy. People can actually say the Knicks are good again. You got to go back to like Patrick Ewing to say that about this New York team. Now, they're not title contenders. Don't I won't say that. Let's let's get that out of the way. Let's not go that far. But they can make some noise in the Eastern Conference. That's what I see coming out of this New York team. Who would have thought within the first week that the Knicks would be better than the Nets right now? That's blowing my mind. But the last team I want to talk about, the Golden State Warriors. The only other undefeated team in the NBA. They're also 4-0. They're the top of the Western Conference. And I will tell you right now, that is the last time I doubt anything regarding Stephen Curry, okay? He's back in the MVP picture. He was a year ago, but can he sustain it for a full 82-game season? That's the question. Can he stay healthy? Can he maintain this pace? He's third in points per game among individuals. But this is a team that also doesn't have Klay Thompson, doesn't have James Wiseman playing playing so the fact that this team is still able to do what they're doing without maybe two of their five most important players I think is very impressive very impressive Andrew Wiggins is playing great offensively I think they have a good bench a well-experienced bench I might add you brought back Iguodala you've got Otto Porter where you're just asking him hey come off the bench rather than in years past when he was with the Wizards or with the Bulls or anything like that. I think the jury's still out defensively. I think they've still got some defense lacking. Obviously, you do have Draymond Green in your lineup, and you know he's going to turn up the intensity in terms defensively, hopefully soon, hopefully soon with this team. But Golden State, they're, they're back into relevancy. They're back into the title picture. Are they title contenders is the question. Right now, they're not. I still have to wait and see what happens when Clay Thompson gets on the floor. Is he his old self before the two devastating injuries? Or have they taken a toll on his body? And is his jump shot, is he not scoring the way that we've seen in the past? That's really the only reason why I hold out for this Warriors team. Because if they're matching up with a team in the Western Conference like the Jazz or the Nuggets or the Trailblazers or any kind of offensive powerhouse team, you know, even Phoenix. I forgot to put Phoenix in that category. But when you match them up there, I don't know defensively if they'll be able to stop them. You know, I think the good thing is it's still early on in the season, and that's why you can kind of hold out these kinds of opinions about these teams because, you can make the opinions now, but they can come true later on or they can't come true. So just don't don't hold it with a grain of salt anything I say about any of these teams. So I'm just glad to see NBA back. I'm glad to see the NBA back. Full crowds in almost every arena. That makes me so happy. Basketball is one of my favorite sports. And 
if we're seeing headlines like this throughout the first week of the NBA season, imagine what's going to happen during the course of the entire regular season in the NBA. Next, it's time to get local with our Let's Get Local segment of the week. And as you can see, we're wearing the uh, Red Sox cap because we are mourning the end of the Red Sox season. Of course, by this time last week, I told you that I'd went to game four and game five had just ended in that. I was holding out hope and faith that the Red Sox could somehow come back and get to the World Series. But if we're being honest, I didn't really have a lot of faith after game five. The fact that they were shut down. I mean, this is... All year long, this was a very streaky team. You know, you get hot, cold, hot again, and cold at the worst time. You got hot at the great time and cold at the worst time. But, I mean, really, when you look at it after the first inning, after Xander Bogarts hit that home run in Game 4, this offense hit a wall. Absolutely hit a wall. They only had one run scored in the first since the first inning of Game 4. After that Bogarts two-run home run, one run the rest of the series. The rest of the series. If you're doing the math, you know, a full nine innings in two games. And then, let's say about seven or eight. That's about 25 innings of scoreless baseball. And it's not like they were totally shut out. Because they had their chances. They were 0 for 17 with runners in scoring position. You saw Hernandez hit that triple in game six. Martinez was hitting a double. Verdugo was getting on base. They were getting on bases and they were at scoring position, but they just could not bring them in. And that's what's so frustrating is that I know this team had, you know, lower expectations and they already exceeded them by getting this far. But this is a team I felt like could have gone to the World Series. Just the offense was great. I thought Heim Bloom making the move to get Kyle Schwarber was great, but you didn't do anything after that. You didn't get more pitching depth. You know, Hunter Robles and Austin Davis wasn't the answer. And you saw it at the end of this time. Evaldi was gassed. Chris Sale was gassed. Whitlock was gassed. Barnes was gassed so much he didn't even make the ALCS roster. That's how gassed he was. So, is it frustrating to see them be eliminated this close? Absolutely. But I think I can be satisfied knowing that this was a team that didn't really have a lot of expectations. You know, the wild card was, I thought, the ceiling and the floor was missing the playoffs. But the fact that they, at one point, had the best record in baseball and got this far, beat the Yankees, beat the Rays, I tip my hats to them. But, you know, you got to look to 2022. And I think, you know, we're hearing reports about um, they're going to look at the futures of Bogart's endeavors. I really hope that they stay. I would love to lock them up long term. And I'd love to see Kyle Schwarber come back as well. And I kind of floated this idea that if you want to have Kyle Schwarber back, you need to do two things. Because I think Bobby Dahlbeck was hitting well enough where you can put him back at first base. He can be your starting first baseman. But what I think two things could happen. You either let Hunter run for a walk because he's on a one-year deal. You let him walk or you shop out Verdugo. And, you know, I kind of lean towards Verdugo in that part. 
just because I love his energy, but in terms of production, you know, maybe it's not the production everyone was expecting. So that's why I kind of floated that idea out for uh, Verdugo. But I'm very interested to see what this Red Sox team does. Because I think, you know, as I said, the lineup was great, but they just needed pitching depth. You know, I think get a, get a few bullpen arms out in free agency or some trades, and then maybe a starter or two. We know Eduardo Rodriguez is a free agent. The question is, do you re-sign him? It's hard to say. It's hard to say to re-sign him just because he's been streaky like this team. But it's still only been about a week and a half since uh, the Red Sox were eliminated, almost two weeks. So there's still plenty of time to talk about that. You know, we really, really won't get into it until it hits like December or whatever. But another, the team that had the best result from the past week has to have been the Patriots, destroying the New York Jets. 54-13 to was the final score. But now it doesn't get any easier because they have to go to Los Angeles and they got to play the Chargers. Now, what I'm about to say about this Patriots team does have a disclaimer. Because last Sunday, they put 54 points up. But it was against the Jets and mostly against Mike white as quarterback okay so just keep that in mind they looked better in the red zone i'll tell you that right now they went six for six for a team that was struggling to score from the red zone very impressive 148 total rushing yards including two damian harris touchdowns definitely a bounce back and that run game is back to where we thought it could be defensively they were able to hold down this jets offense i thought you know all around this was the game of the year so far the best performance I thought by far by Mac Jones by the defense by everybody by everybody but now you get a test now you get a test taking on the Chargers offense who's not only great but they're great and coming off of a bye week so this secondary is gonna be struggling the most I think because you lost Jonathan Jones he's on the IR right now he's out for the year This secondary is lacking because really outside of J.C. Jackson and Jalen Mills, who else do you have in the secondary? I mean, really, who can you go to that you can trust to shut down for this Sunday, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams or at the tight end position, Jared Cook, or even on the defensive line, who can you go to to negate Austin Eckler? Because when Herbert, when Justin Herbert can't perform well, all he's got to do is dump it off to Austin Eckler I think he can outgain these linebackers that they have the linebackers don't have the speed Hightower Van Noy Collins I don't think they can hang with them so it's going to be about at the line of scrimmage how are they going to make Justin Herbert unsettled and can they shut down Austin Eckler because I think you know this this is a team where you can run the ball against them they they are one of the worst rush defenses the Chargers are Uh, in the NFL. So I think you'll be able to run the ball if you have that variety with Damian Harris, Brandon Bolden, Stevenson, and or J.J. Taylor. But it's defensively where you really got to shut down Eckler, Herbert, and that entire Charger offense. So that's going to be something to watch for when you're watching this game on Sunday. But we now got to move to the teams who just kicked off their seasons not too long ago. The Boston Celtics right now, two and three to start the year. I'm going to say right now, despite the record that the offense looks 10 times better than it did last year, I think Ime Udoka at the head coach position has got the ball moving. 
The acquisition of Dennis Schroeder is injecting energy into this offense. It's no longer a ton of iso ball with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Tatum's actually giving it up. Brown's giving it up. I think defensively, they still got to get better. And I know Al Horford was out of the lineup, but I think he's a big part to that. You know, is he the Al Horford from a couple years ago? No, but he can still be effective in terms of getting your team to play defense. Marcus Smart needs to learn about his role, you know, about chucking up threes and stuff like that. You're a bulldog defender. That's what you got to do. But then it's just about Coach Udoka figuring out his rotation, you know. It's two and three, but it's similar to the Lakers, where there's still a lot of new pieces that you're still trying to incorporate, getting the right rotation in. You know, where do you bring in Josh Richardson? Where do you put in Wancho Hernan Gomez? Is there an increased role for Romeo Langford or Aaron Neesmith? That, those are the things that really have to... You're going to find out more later into the season. So you can't take the start of the season again with a grain of salt because there's still plenty of basketball left to be played. But I still like this team. I know they lost to the Wizards a few nights ago. They had to go to overtime with the Knicks and overtime with uh, Charlotte. But I still like this team. I'm still, I still like the energy that they have. And I think this team is going to be better. I think they're going to be better. You know, maybe record-wise, maybe the same, maybe a little bit better. But in terms of, you know, guys actually being invested in stuff like that, I think you're already ahead of that. But another, the other team who kicked off their year, the Bruins. We got to talk about the Bruins. They are 3-2 and two so far to start the year. They were 3-1, and one, but then they ran into the undefeated Panthers. And to see this team where they are right now while dealing with the injuries of Lazar, Felino, and Smith, you know, it was all about depth for this team. Depth, depth, depth. And I think that's what this team has when they're healthy. And we go back again to... The defense, outside of the first and second line. Who's going to be on that third line? Who's going to be on that fourth line to carry the energy and all of that? So that's that's sort of what I see with the Bruins. And on the goaltending standpoint, it's almost like you you forget about Tuka Rask not being on the team because Allmark and Swayman are doing a good job of holding down the fort against teams like the Sharks and the Sabres and those kinds but again still early still a lot of things can change so we'll talk a little bit more in depth about these two teams the Celtics and the Bruins the later on we get into the year but again in the Massachusetts and in the Boston area these teams are back on the ice back on the court and for the Patriots back on the field which means there is only excitement more to come Lastly, to end our show, as we always do, we look at our LOL moment of the week. And this one, if you've been watching the news, the sports news, you know exactly where this is going. We go back to the NFL on our moment. So this week's LOL moment of the week goes to Mike Evans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this is like a group moment, essentially. So... Let's talk about, you know, the the forefront of it. You've got Tom Brady, who's already had his moment on the LOL, where he threw the Lombardi Trophy over the boat. He goes, during uh, the game against the Bears, 600 touchdown passes.
passes, 600 touchdown passes. Absolutely incredible. I don't think anyone's even going to come close to touching that mark if they don't play as long as Tom Brady has. So 600 touchdown pass. Mike Evans, the reception of that touchdown. What does he do? He gives the ball away to a fan. He gives it to a fan. The 600 sacred ball was just given to a fan. But this is not the first time that it's happened. A couple of years ago, when Tom Brady threw his 400th touchdown pass to Danny Amendola, he gave up the ball, and luckily they got the ball back. But this one was a little bit trickier, though. They had uh, Bucks, I believe it was the equipment manager or someone like that, was trying to talk to this fan about getting the ball back, and they wanted something in return. So just off the top of my head, this is what I know they've got. Maybe $1,000 at the team store. He got um, lots of fan memorabilia. He got a game ball. You know, Mike Evans signed something or Tom Brady signed something. But the biggest thing that he gave, or the Tampa, I should say, because Tom Brady gave something himself out of his own pocket. He gave him a Bitcoin. He gave him Bitcoin. Now, here's what I'm thinking. If I'm the fan... And I have no clue about this cryptocurrency, about Bitcoin. I would say no. If you're going to give me Bitcoin, I'm going to hold on to that football. If it was me, I'd be holding on to that football. It'd say, no, I want U.S. dollars. I want the actual paper and the coin and stuff like that. That's what I would want. That's how I would persuade it in talking with this guy. But it turns out maybe getting all of that was a mistake because this fan... Gave up the ball, which was an estimated price of almost half a million dollars for the 600 touchdown pass that Tom Brady threw. Now, if I was the fan, I would have given it away too. I understand this accomplishment and stuff like that. So I get it. I would give it away too. But I wouldn't want more of a bargaining price. You know, I I don't want I want a game ball. Yes, I do. But I would want, you know, signed team stuff, not just money to go to the team store. I want a Tom Brady signed jersey or a Mike Evans signed jersey. I want a set of gloves or a set of cleats or whatever. You know, all this stuff that we're hearing that this fan got is a little underwhelming to me for the 600th touchdown pass that Tom Brady threw. I'm not sure... If I would have taken that deal, and apparently now we're just hearing from the fan that all he wanted was a round of golf with Tom Brady. Now, I don't know if Tom Brady will oblige him on that because I don't think he's going to go play until, you know, maybe after February, after the Super Bowl, where we know for sure that Tom Brady won't be playing because we don't know if he's going to be in the Super Bowl or not. But I mean, who wouldn't want to go golfing with Tom Brady if you ask me, but Uh, There's just so much to wrap around this story, so I'm just going to lump the whole Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus the fan for just the wild sequence regarding Tom Brady's 600 touchdown pass. It has earned you into this week's spot as our LOL moment of the week. So that'll do it for this edition of Let Me Speak. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us 
on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow our other pages on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All you got to do is search Let Me Speak Podcast. And remember, as always, if you've got a point you got to get across, just let the whole world know. Shut up and let me speak.